Welcome to the Hartwell Studio Work Sports Branding Podcast. My name is John Hartwell. I am the brains and pencil behind Hartwell Studio Works. I'm a sports brand designer in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is for front office personnel who want to harness the power of sports branding to win more fans. This episode is the audio presentation of the Three Things Small College AD Zoom conversation I conducted with Josh Cornwall, the Assistant Director of Athletics for Communication at Agnes Scott College. Josh gave a presentation titled Communication in COVID-19, talking about how small college athletics can best react to the pandemic crisis as fall sports are canceled for the new school year. The purpose of these three things presentations is to share ideas that are practical, relevant, and actionable in helping small college ADs navigate through the shifting landscape of the 2020 pandemic. I hope you find this conversation helpful. Enjoy the show. Thank you, John. Uh, it's good to see some faces I know, some faces I don't. Um, just a little bit about me to start. Uh, I have been in the industry for about 10 years, um, ranging from corporate at ESPN to mostly small college at the NAIA and Division III levels. Um, this is my third stop, and I am beginning my fourth year at Agnes Scott as the Assistant AD for Communications. Um, I'm really passionate about branding. This is kind of why my John and I have talked about this over the last couple of weeks. Um, a lot of conversations that we have we decided, hey, let's have an actual uh, talk about this in a in a more formal setting. So, uh, introductions out of the way, um, and welcome everyone that's still still coming in. Uh, I want to start today with um, getting away from that traditional SID mindset, and they can see this see the slides, right, John? Uh, you're muted. There we go. There we go. So communications in COVID. Now this can, this means a lot of things. Um, some things I might say might be a little. I'm speaking to some ADs. I'm speaking to SIDs. It's there's a lot of stuff obviously going on right now. Um, we're all as small college administrators and communicators dealing with the safety of our student athletes. If we're canceling, if we're playing this fall, um, budgetary things like there's, a, there's just a lot of stuff going on. But uh, what I really am hoping to do is kind of recenter ourselves in why we're doing what we're doing, and to not just get bogged down in everything that's going wrong right now. So I do want to start about what does communi athletic communications look like in 2020? I've worked for a host of ads and all their ideas and kind of their of what this looks like are different. Um, some have been really supportive, some don't necessarily understand what the role of communications is in today's world. Um, I'm, I'm really thankful right now that uh, I work for an athletic director who really views communications as a vehicle for furthering not just the message of athletics, but furthering the message of the institution at large. And where does that start? Well, it starts with getting out of the traditional mindset of what an SID is. I know there's a range of, of titles that many of us hold. Some of us are assistant ADs, some of us are SIDs, some of us have athletic communications directors titles. It, it doesn't really matter. Our, our 
general roles and responsibilities, especially at the small college level, D2, D3, NAIA, are, are the same. Um, we're working by and large with small staffs. Um, I have always been a one-person shop at all of my um, full-time, so not, not including my graduate, graduate assistantship. So I've kind of gotten used to how that workflow goes. Some are working with two GAs, some are working with maybe a part-time assistant. We all kind of know that everyone's fighting for dollars, fighting for um, more help, and sometimes that's just not a reality. So we have to understand what the actual role of a communicator is to, to, to know how we move forward, not just in this pandemic, but as athletic departments. Um, John, if you wanna to go to the next slide really quick. I think what we spent a lot of time in Costa talking about, um, and also amongst ourselves, is the many hats that small college SIDs are wearing these days. They're not just, they're not just a statistician showing up to a game. They're not just a game manager um, helping with making sure students are showing up to run the clock or uh, making sure that officials are getting to their locker room. We're not big institutions. We're not Clemson. We're not Ohio State. We're not Alabama. Um, a lot of us are, we don't have separate marketing departments for the, for the most part. Well, a lot of us are doing all that stuff, both on game days and in preparation for game days and in the off season to get ready for the next season, whatever those may be. And uh, kind of crowdsourcing both um, colleagues and some really good conversations that have been happening on Twitter lately. This is not a comprehensive list, but this is a list of things that really one or two people are essentially tasked with within a small college communications department. Um, now, again, with staffing issues, even if there's staffing issues within the college's communications department, there's, are, there, there's still usually four to six people that are handling all these roles. While in athletics, there's one or two. Um, maybe three, if you're lucky. <laughs> um, so I don't know, take a look at that. It is in the shape of the, the Twitter bird. It's kind of a, a very rough drawing of that, but I did my best to make it look like that. Um, looking at all those, I don't know if anyone has like any questions about what this looks like. Maybe someone can add later in the chat if I'm missing something really glaring. Um, but then I would also, sorry, one sec. Um, that kind of goes into my next point, seeing all of these things that your communications director should be doing in some shape, way, or form. Um, how do we add them to the table? Um, I, I see a lot of institutions that are using job, job postings in the last couple of years that are talking about the description of an SID and their, what they're doing from 20 years ago. I think when you think of an SID, you might think of someone who's a little nerdy, that really likes to get into the archives, that um, just loves to watch sports. Maybe they were a team manager growing up. You ask some of the 80s I've worked for, they might say that applies to me. Uh, <laughs> but that's not what we are in 2020. And if you are not making, I guess I should ask this, is your SID or athletic communicator a part of your senior leadership team? If they're not, 
It could be for lack of experience. It could be they're just breaking the industry and not, they're not ready for that level of responsibility yet. And that's okay. But if they're not, are they a part of your decision-making process? And if not that, why is that? Um, I am thankful to serve on senior leadership for athletic community or for athletics um, and also on the communications um, cabinet for the college so that there's always a presence of voice that is not just supportive and asking people to support us and our needs, but just to share ideas and get information. I think you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, but the more different vantage point, different vantage points you have within your decision-making process, your trusted group, uh, communications really should have a beat on what's happening, not just internally at your institution, but also best practices at other institutions that when you're dealing with your, your higher ups or you're dealing with um, like a crisis within your student athlete body, whatever, whatever the case is, ADs are handed a lot. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Um, a communications person brings a vantage point that others might not necessarily gravitate to. Um, another thing kind of in that, those same terms is, uh, there was a quote that I saw come out of the Kusai convention that maybe I took out of context, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, is when talking about elevating um, SIDs to admin roles, or even if you wanted to become an athletic director in the future, um, there was this uh, kind of mindset of, well, SIDs need to bring a solution to the problem. And to an extent, that is 100% true. Uh, but I would challenge people to say that empowerment is a two-way street. Uh, a lot of times, if an SID is not part of your decision-making process or has no information that, and again, you don't need to have all of the information. Some things are confidential that are at an administrative level. Um, it's, it's hard to bring solutions to problems that aren't necessarily known as problems or don't have the information to those problems. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a give and a take there. You can't just say, well, bring me a solution. You have to actually get together, talk about what possible solutions are, and then go with the best option. It can't just be a, bring me a solution. With that out of the way, um, let's go into the first of my three points. Building your brand is still important, especially now. The who, what, when, where, why, and how. I mean, we learned these in elementary school about formulating sentences and thoughts around these ideas. And for a brand, that's incredibly important. So the first thing that a brand helps talk about is, is your mission and values. You can't build a brand around anything if you don't have a mission and values. Now, admittedly, uh, my institution right now, we're reworking a lot of that stuff, so I don't have a public statement up anymore um, as we're kind of reassessing, not just in this pandemic, but in general, uh, what the future of our athletic department is looking like. I think a lot of institutions, especially at our level, just because for whatever reason, there's, you know, there's red tape, there's hierarchy, as political as that. Um, we think that branding is solely the physical identity. And John, John and I have had this discussion many times that a logo is not a catch-all for bad brand. 
we do not have, most of us do not have this solely identifiable physical identity that is universally known. I mean, when I came here three and a half years ago, we, I mean, you'd go into the city and we're, I mean, we're a stone's throw from Atlanta, but we're in the city of Decatur, which has a, a it's a pretty big population um, as the largest suburb of our suburb, I, I would say of, of Metro Atlanta. And you could go 0.3 miles down the street and say, hey, I work at Agnes Scott College and people would not know there was a college right there on the other side of the, on the other side of the train tracks. And that's because there was this, there was this disconnect about what the identity was and how it was getting out there. Um, I say a strong logo is great, but most of us can't rely on that. We can't, we don't, we don't have, we don't have the block O. Um, we might have a cool logo, but if we're not communicating what our values, why people should care about them, um, and have a fully encompassing brand, and that's both visual and spoken. So at your institution, are your visual and spoken identities different? Should they be? Hey, Josh, me, let me uh, jump in here. Yeah, go for it. So, so when you talk about the the mission the vision the values of an institutional brand is it fair to say that what a brand is and what your logo is those are two different things correct yes your your logo is not your brand correct so it's, you, it's a it's a sliver of it it's not they're not synonymous and i think that's where the confusion comes in right is that we assume that slapping this this uh this scotty logo on a polo means that we did our job with branding. Well, that, that doesn't tell a story of what Agnes Scott is. Why, why should anyone care about my Scotty head? I mean, does it look cool? Thanks, John. Yeah, it does. But you have to be able to communicate what the logo stands for. And that is backed up with your online presence. It's backed up with your tone in stories, both in terms of event coverage and feature writing. It is when someone steps onto your site or to your social media, yeah, your logo is going to be on there a lot of the time. But if you're doing your job, the imagery, the words you're using should encompass the mission and the values that you're building your brand around. So it's the logo is just a vehicle that helps you get to that point. It's not the sole identifier. And that is where a lot of institutions, I do believe, fall short is they just they kind of use the logo as a crutch um, and they're not telling the story of who they are. Uh, I'll get into storytelling on my, on my next slide, but um, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, don't let others decide what your identity is. Uh, I had conversations with a lot of people recently about this very point. Um, I think we, as small colleges, we all kind of deal with the love and hate of athletics at specifically liberal arts colleges, but um, I know that small state schools also deal with the same problem. It comes from a variety, I'm not pointing blame here, there comes from a variety of different departments on campus, comes from people off campus, there's sometimes this disconnect about what athletics is actually doing and how it is actually beneficial to not just the institution, but to the students that, that the department is serving and preparing for the future. Um, if you don't have an identity, if you don't have 
identifiable mission and values and a brand, you are pre presenting the opportunity for others to speak what your brand is. Does that make sense, John? It does. Um, it's, it's always important, I think, that when you're working with a brand and you're defining those vision and those values, that you are the one who is communicating what is that story. If you let somebody else define that story for you, then you're playing catch up. Um, you know, that's something that you hear a lot, for instance, in political campaigns. Um, you don't want your opponent to be able to, to define who you are. Uh, if you're not out in front of your own messaging. And I think that very much applies to brands in general, but especially, I think, to small college athletics brands, because yeah. there is such an opportunity. And I'll go back to the idea of what is the institutional mission and values and how athletics can be uh, a bullhorn to help extend what that institutional uh, brand mission values are. Mm -hmm for the school. So you very much want to be in control of that and, and being out in front of that messaging. Right. Completely. Yeah, I, I, as I don't know if you don't have any experience with what Agnes Scott is, it is a, a women's college. Um, and one of our big monikers is leading everywhere. That's kind of what we transitioned to as an institutional message two years ago uh, when we had a new president. Um, so women's leadership is, top of that list for them. Um, we have created some leadership programming and it's kind of implied in our messaging that leadership is an important part of the message that, that we're putting out there. Win or loss, we are trying to prepare women for the next step in whatever industry they choose. Um, that might be in the sciences, that might be in sports. I don't, it doesn't really matter. Um, there's this implied message in what our mission and values is uh, surrounding around leadership that backs up what the institution is trying to do in the classroom. And that's where I think we have made some like headway with relationships on campus is that, oh, this is an extension of our curriculum that we're already building out. This is not, this is not competing interests. This is an extension of the education. And if you present it that way, that's how you get a, <laughs> get a bunch of people on board. Um, look for opportunities to grow, change, and evolve in this pandemic. I would say those who are going to be flat-footed, doing the same thing that they've always been doing, whether that's getting caught up on record-keeping or um, getting their bios updated, these things are all still important. Uh, maintaining a, a website and social presence that is uh, up-to-date is important, but it's not it's it's not doing the same stuff that we've been doing. We're, we might eventually go back to what that looks like when when everyone is back on campus, full full swing, no worry, whatever that new normal looks like. But if you are not constantly assessing what your process is during this time, especially if we don't have fall sports, and I know a lot of you on this call have already canceled, you are doing not only yourself a disservice, but you're doing your department and your institution disservice. Um, for me, education is a big part of that. Uh, I've been reading a lot about just how people in marketing and communications in different industries are doing things right now, um, how even some are doing things at, at D1s. Uh, one of the biggest names out there in marketing and communications for athletics specifically is Jeremy Darlow. Uh, I picked up his new book that came out about three or four weeks ago 
uh, called the Darlow Rules, which is uh, a list of 75 rules that he's learned in his, I think, 20 plus years of marketing, uh, both institutional and corporate athletics. Um, you just need to be on the lookout for new ideas. You, you need to be looking what other people are doing. I think he has one rule, um, and it's really deep in the book. It's page 530. And don't get scared by the number of pages. It's a, it's a very large book, but it's, it's one of those uh, interactive books with worksheets and all that fun stuff. Um, it says, don't be afraid to copy. Just make it better. And what that means for me is that I might see something on Instagram that a big or small school might be doing. And... I might not be able to do as good of a job of what they did, but I might be, I will be able to tailor it for my audience. And for me, that's what it better means. It doesn't necessarily mean improve, and I guess it could improve on the technical aspects of what you are copying. It is taking that idea, making it your own and presenting it to your audience, hopefully knowing what your audience does and does not, does not want. So education, if you're not reading or listening to podcasts or watching a video or doing some like LinkedIn learning or something, whatever masterclass stuff, at least once a week during this time, you got to make time for it. You got to make one to two hours at least a week. I know that's hard. I know there's a lot of demands on our time, but I, I promise you it's going to pay big dividends both professionally and personally. Um, and what are you currently doing to enhance your brand? And I guess this is kind of an open-ended question for, for, for John is like, how important do you is that question for you when you're having these conversations with people? Sure. Uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's a very well-asked question, particularly at this moment, because I think there's, there's a feeling uh, for some people, they think, oh, wait, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I need to hold back and, and wait to see what happens before I do something. I would argue that that's probably actually right now is the time to, to keep moving ahead and to do things that will, that will keep one's brand in front of your audience, whether that's small college athletics or whatever. But I know that certainly for a lot of folks that I've talked to in small college athletics, you know, the uncertainty is the most difficult part of this. There are sponsors out there. I mean, every small college athletics uh, program has sponsors and they're all, you know, mom and pop shops. We're not talking about big fortune 500s. We're talking about the car dealership or the mm -hmm. sandwich shop or the pizza joint, right? Um, they suddenly have nothing to sponsor. So, so if, if you as a small college athletics program can do something, can you do it online? Can you do a Facebook live streaming? Can you do one of these zoom calls? Can you do something that is an opportunity for people to engage uh, and, and in terms of enhancing your brand, that could be, uh, demonstrating that you are an active member of the community. You are doing something to bring people together, or at least if nothing else, you're telling people we're still here, we are being proactive and we're doing something, even though you don't see our legs, you know, pumping away underneath the waterline like a duck. <laughs> right. And <laughs> on top, pumping away exactly. on the bottom, right? And a lot of this for many of us is going to be trial and error. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have something that you might think is a good idea and it flops and that's okay. We, we move on from that. I, we pivoted when our summer camps got canceled this, this summer and we created in-house um, 
I mean, it wasn't like the highest production value, but we created a, a digital visual, uh, virtual camp for uh, seven to 12 year olds um, that they could register by sport, pay a small nominal fee and do it. And again, it wasn't the most attended thing ever. I think because we were so late in the game and having to, to pivot, parents had already made plans, but we viewed it as an opportunity to provide the community another chance to see us, whether they paid for it or not, as providing a service that enhances our brand. We want to be known as someone in the community that is involved, that it is um, taking a stand for what is right and wrong. And again, it's just out there, win or, win or loss, be damned. Um, if you are not constantly thinking of new ways to get yourself out there, you're going to be caught behind. Let's go to the next point. Don't stop telling your story. It matters. Uh, anyone that's in here who knows me knows that this is kind of my wheelhouse. This is what I love to do the most. I kind of hate sometimes being bogged down in the particulars of, of the job. I know that a lot of them are important, but if I could just tell stories of our students and staff all day, sign me up, please. Um, no events doesn't mean no stories. And this goes back to the traditional SID stuff that was on that first slide. We need to find new ways to tell the stories of our student athletes and staff. Storytelling has evolved. It's not send the 10 p.m. release out to the newspapers. By and large, unless you're in, in, in a part of the country where you have a, a really good small local relationship with media, we're in Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't care about us, at least unless we have this really, really big story. Um, they're caring about UGA, they're caring about Georgia Tech, they're caring about their pro teams. But that doesn't mean without me, like local media that you can't tell your story. Now you need to Tell your story in a multitude of ways, and I have that kind of two down. Um, repurpose, reuse, and recycle what you're telling. Now, I do a lot of my storytelling uh, written, and but I have I have to use that in, in different ways. So it has a place on the website. It has a land, its own landing page if it's part of our Scotty story series. It, but it's also getting put on Instagram as a ha having a graphical component that leads them to that story. It's changing, maybe using a quote from the story or some like really kind of catchy lead or nugget on Twitter that again, leads them to the story. We can't just be focused on just video or just social or just written. And this is something I know I struggle with on, on a pretty daily basis of trying to make sure my priorities are always, always correct. Um, I don't know, John, if you want to go to, to, to the, the next slide, just to get an idea of what um, I've been doing. Uh, we, we got this idea, and I know some schools have been doing similar things to really kind of get to the emotions of what's been going on. Um, this is something that we've been wanting to do for a while, and this is kind of provide this moment in time, just kind of provide the opportunity to get to that. Um, so I, I released a story probably about two, maybe not, maybe not even two weeks after uh, we decided to cancel our seasons in March. And 
we had taken the approach that we didn't just want to put the cancellation notice on the website and have that be the end of it. Um, before any of us knew how long this was gonna last, we knew that we needed to reach our constituents, both our current student athletes, our alumni, and any community members that were having these real complex feelings about things that were going on. And so the vice president of communications reached out to me and we talked through a couple of ideas and we came up with, with this. And I, I had seen, I've seen some other similar stories. Some people have broken it down into kind of a, a feature series surrounding exactly this. Uh, but I put it up on Adobe Spark and for my SIDs in the room, you've, you've probably used this or know about it. Um, for those who might not necessarily know this, I, I spend a lot of my money throughout the year, uh, close to 40% of my budget on um, imagery. Um, I, I'm really lucky to have access to a photographer who was the staff photographer for uh, both the both Atlanta United and the Falcons for a number of years. Um, he was just kind of in between looking for clients and I just happened to be looking for a photographer. And so I, anytime I give a presentation, um, whether it's for jobs or whatever, um, imagery is kind of my non-negotiable for budget. Um, now, some SADs are taking photos themselves because they have that technology. I don't have access to that, that technology, so I spend the money because I'm doing so many other things and it frees me up and I'm getting quality. Um, but the imagery is really, even though people love the story itself, the imagery I feel in Adobe Spark is what really drives the engine um, and is really capitalizing on, yeah, I remember when this happened, it, it's, it's associating those words with those images that had this really strong connection from the community. Um, we got a lot of really positive response from both alums and community members that have had, never had any interaction with us. Um, it was released through the alumni newsletter. It was put um, in conjunction with the uh, magazine, the college's magazine, which is now going digital because, you know, a lot, a lot of things are going digital these days. Um, but what I was aiming to do is just really capture the moment um, of raw emotion that wouldn't embarrass or um, take advantage of any anyone in particular that was, that was a part of this. Um, so this is a, a series that we're, we've started. It's not solely COVID dependent, although there's a, a lot of thematic elements to it. Um, we have, we've had to take a little bit of a break because of some other stuff that, as you know, have been happening. Um, but we have five or six stories in the queue that are gonna come out over the next couple of weeks um, as we prepare for a fall that's gonna look, again, really different. Um, we wrote another, I wrote another story a couple of weeks later uh, kind of trying to find some more of the positives of what our current situation is. And again, it got picked up, uh, actually got picked up by local media <laughs> first time ever. Um, this was about uh, our, how our cross country team was using um, just Garmin watches to connect with each other and how they were staying in communication with each other and how we wrapped up a spring season that was unlike any other and where this puts us moving forward. All of this was really carefully crafted around um, a really inclusive message that's really important to our institution, 
leadership is kind of mentioned throughout in both direct and subtle ways. And it's a really easy way, even if you're not the strongest of writers, to connect with an audience that's really craving the attention in this moment. Hey, Josh, can I interject here real quick? It strikes yep. me that this type of content, and that's what it is, it's content. Yep. This can be leveraged not only for your internal campus audience, but mm -hmm. this is a great way to point content outwards towards your recruits, towards your donors, towards your sponsors, as a way of demonstrating, as we talked about previously, how is your brand still actively uh, uh, doing things in this time of uncertainty? What's, yep. what's the story of the vision and the values? And it all just comes from this simple little digital story that yep. you can then repurpose all over the place. Is that a fair way of looking at it? That's a fair way of looking at it. I, I'm in my notes here, I, and recruiting is kind of my last point, um, is industry-wise, we, we've gone to this really digital space and we don't want to forget about how the combination of the written word and imagery and video together, um, it really has a connection and plays on the emotions, whether we're in a pandemic or not. Um, you, you really need to hit at these things at a multitude of ways and make these connections with people you didn't think you would make connections with. And that's really the response that we've gotten. These were the, the two most interacted with things that we've put out since I've been here in the last three and a half years. Um, we had, usually our traffic is anywhere from hundred to 200 for a story. And these were in the thousands. So emotion, empathy, uh, I, someone had, had mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, it was like, wow, you're writing, it just feels different. I said, it's just having been an athlete, having been on every different, as a coach, um, different sides of the administrative roles, both in athletics and, and the college, having worked in admissions before, there's a certain level of empathy I feel like I can understand um, when I'm writing. And that's going to look different for every single person. But if you feel emotionally drained after putting some of this content together, I think you're doing your job well. So let's go to the uh, last slide. Let's wrap this up before questions. Um, communicators are crucial for recruiting. This is something that's often overlooked. I preach this message all the time. I've preached it in my previous institutions. I preach it now. Uh, I think it, it comes with mixed results from both administrators and coaches. But recruiting is going to be under a microscope. Right, even more so than ever. A lot of us are uh, driven on enrollment. Um, some of us have been in tough spots because the market is is tough and it's hard. And athletics is often looked to as a vehicle for driving that enrollment. And if we don't have sports, well, what does that look like? Well, if, the, if we don't have sports, it doesn't mean we stop recruiting. Because if we stop recruiting, I was telling this to John last week, is you stopping your recruiting? You stopping your communication surrounding recruiting and having your brand consistently out there doesn't just have an adverse effect for this year or next year. We're talking about an entire cycle of recruiting, four years, if not longer. And what does your institution look like in four years if your recruiting takes a hit? And so when we're talking about, and I know the F word, not that F word, but furlough is something that a lot of us are scared about and worrying about and thinking about um, 
this above anything else, everything else is just kind of getting to this is a reason why we need athletic communicators in this time. If your athletic communicator or SID is not involved in your recruiting process, why? And some of you might be like, well, my coach has been here for 35 years and they have their thing, like their whole spiel and they're successful and that's great. And, but you need to, you or, or your coaches need to include what your communications person is putting out on a regular basis or any special content that they're doing specifically for that program that needs to keep happening. Going radio silent as I'm not trying to judge here as some institutions have chosen to do over the last couple of months has, is going to have really adverse effects. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't think any of us really do, but Cutting your communication staff or having them be kind of the first, like, uh, is a really short-sighted move, both institutionally and within athletics. Why is that? Well, they're the ones, frankly, that are putting your name out there. Uh, I think person-to-person -person interactions are great. That's what a lot of the administrators as well as presidents are doing. Um, it's necessary. You're, you're meeting constituents. You're meeting community leaders. All important stuff but if your messaging both internally and externally isn't happening the product you're selling isn't really a product it's just something that people might want to do when i say free support um i was telling my ad this morning um Free support within recruiting doesn't necessarily mean more work. It just means you're giving your communicator the right work. So for some institutions, that might be a graphic with each commitment that's coming in. For others, that might be uh, a simple story that highlights the recruits. For others, it might just be building the entire infrastructure that coaches are using to recruit in general. Whatever it looks like for you, it doesn't matter, but you're not having to pay someone else when you already have someone doing the work that coaches can use to highlight the experience of their student athletes. It doesn't cost you anything. Actually. So use them. And that's and prioritizing is the work that you're giving your SIDs. And also for the SIDs, prioritizing your task list is super important in helping and aiding your coaches in recruiting always, but especially now, should be at the top of that priority list. Which goes to the last point, strategy and messaging is as important as the sell. A lot of coaches think that they can do it themselves. And some of them, they can because of the situation that they're in. But there needs to be a concise message. This is something I tell my coaches all the time. There needs to be an overall department message that you are kind of tailoring to yourself, your personality, and your program. But at all of that still has to tie back into what we are doing institutionally. The cell is great. The cell is what gets the students here in theory, but it's the strategy and the messaging before you even make that pitch that is really important. And it's gonna be really important as we move forward in this pandemic.
10, All right. Thank you, Josh. So by all means, I do want to encourage participation here. Uh, and, uh, and if you have a question, do please use the, uh, the raise hand function in the participant box, or you can shoot me your question in the chat box, and I'll read that to, uh, to Josh. Uh, I'm going to stop sharing this screen real quick. All right. Um, Josh, I want to pick up on something real quick. When we talk about communications, it, it, it can seem like an enormous, many headed beast that can be overwhelming. And I want to go back to the Adobe Spark example there real quick. Um, somebody might look at that example and go, whoa, 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 that's a whole new platform. I don't want to have to deal with that, um, which is entirely understandable. I mean, there's just, yep. there's just so many different ways you can slice your brain when you're, when you're trying to get through this type of, of pandemic. Um, just from a real practical standpoint, talk a little bit about that kind of platform uh, and uh, how, how it can be to uh, an AD's advantage, to an SID's advantage, and how you can integrate that into that larger communication strategy that you were talking about. Yeah, well, I think that it's actually true. It's not specific to Adobe Spark. It's, it's true about really any platform that you think could enhance what you're already doing. Um, I spend, I have some dollars to spend on different software or other things throughout the year. Um, I can't sit here and tell you what is important for your institution. I see uh, my good friend, Sean on the call. He, he identified really quickly at his place up, up uh, in Bill Beverly, Massachusetts, that they were really gonna go into um, the, highlighting the student athlete experience, not only just in the success on the field, but also off the field for um, like internships and job opportunities and, and, and results. And they've done that in a multitude of ways. I, I would say that you need to get out of your comfort zone. Um, again, that goes back to the whole eliminating the traditional thoughts about what an SID does or doesn't do. Um, I, I, does, that, does that make sense? I, 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 mm -hmm. It's something I don't always do well. I will fully admit that is I tend to look at what others are doing and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe I should be doing that. Um, you really have to pick two or three things that not only just highlight your strengths, but are also gonna use your strengths to highlight your brand and your institution. And for some, that might be creating cool graphics. For some others, it might be doing um, this talk show that is, is on YouTube every week. For others, it might be purely feature writing. Um, you're not, you're, you're, you have to cover your baseline of all your responsibilities, but what are the two or three things extra that you're gonna do, that you're committed to, that is gonna enhance your brand throughout the year, especially now? And I do want to point out that Sean, uh, Sean Medeiros did uh, send a link uh, as an example of what you're talking about. So I'm going to do a, do a quick screen share just to show you this. And I will include this link when I send out uh, the follow-up email to everybody. But uh, this story here about applying internship experiences to actual education experiences. And, the, and I didn't want to put them on the spot, but um, this is an example of like how you... This stuff, we don't, I, at my institution, we don't have this built-in internship program um, that's really strong. This is a requirement for graduation at Endicott. So it's something they were able to take, hey, this is an experience that's really special to us. This might be something that a prospective student athlete might want to see. How do we showcase that? And again, that's going to be different for every single institution, but it, it's up to you. 
both as a communicator as an, and as a, an administrator to identify what those things are. And that and goes that, back to the mission and the values. And that also gets back to the idea of just because there's no sports doesn't mean there are no stories. Right. 100%. All right. So let me throw this, this question at you then. Um, if you're not used to developing story ideas, um, how, what, <laughs> give us a little writing strategy, the writer's studio, Josh. How do you look at the information in front of you and say, that would make a good story, that would make a good story, that would not make a good story? How do you process that information? Um, I do a lot of asking. Um, I know that sounds really simple. My, my coaches get really sick of hearing from me after a while. Uh, my student athletes get really sick of hearing after me for a while, but I am going to continuously search and have an ear to the ground. Cause a lot of times, especially at small colleges where they're, they're involved in so many things, they don't necessarily think that what they're doing is special or important. Um, we have uh, a story in the works right now. That's going to be talking about our, um, a couple one's going to be talking about recruiting, uh, right now and what that looks like, both from a student athlete standpoint and uh, talking with our first years and uh, our coaches. Uh, we have another one talking about the arts and how a lot of our student population is involved in the arts, whether both as a major or uh, kind of as a, as a hobby, but they're producing really high level content, even though it's not an actual major field of study at our institution. It's there is a story really about almost any single kid in your department. It's finding ways for them to open up. Um, we provide some opportunities uh, both privately and in conversation where they can give something that you're like, that's a great idea. I mean, I, I have someone working on a story right now where one of our kids and it's pretty much got stuck in Europe because of on a study abroad program because of everything going on. Like that, that's a story that someone's going to want to read. It might not be everyone in your audience, but that's going to be a, that's going to be a very interesting story for a big portion of your audience. Like, Oh, wow. I can't, I can picture myself um, having that happen too. Uh, that I wonder what they have to say. That type of stuff. How can these stories be turned around and leveraged for fundraising purposes, for instance? connecting with donors? That's a great question. Um, we've used the two features I wrote in the, the late spring uh, as a part of all of our newsletters over the last couple of months. Um, ultimately, in terms of branding, especially when it comes to fundraising and donors, is they want to know why they should care about you. Why should they invest in you? And if your message is purely just oh, we won four national championships, that might appeal to some, some senses. That's not going to work for my program. We're not, we're not competing for national championships right now. But what we are doing is empowering women both in leadership opportunities and on the field. And with this wave of, of kind of women in sport having a bigger voice and a bigger platform, that is something that we are trying to capitalize on. Because a lot of, not just corporations, but also, private donors are, are are wondering, oh, like this is a great opportunity for me to, you know, I can get my name on a building, but also invest in something that makes me feel good from a social standpoint. And yeah, and that goes back to that idea of what is branding, 
we're not talking about just sticking a logo on something. We're right. talking about using that story to communicate what what is that vision, what are those values, what makes the institution different, and getting people involved in that story. Yeah. That one might argue is where where the branding rubber meets the road. So you're, you're hearing you're hearing us repeat a lot of these ideas, but it's because they're all so they're so central to what we're doing and need to continue to do. Like this can't, there can't be a gap in any of this if we want to continue moving forward. So we do have a few minutes left here in the hour. Let me encourage folks, uh, if you have a question, do please use that uh, raise hand function or shoot me something uh, there through in the, in the uh, chat box. Uh, Josh, let's talk just a minute about logos. Mm-hmm. You did say logos are not everything. They yep. are the first point. Um, what do you see as a best practice in using your identity, being your logos, your color, your typography, and whatnot? Uh, what do you see as important in the use of that identity in terms of telling those stories? It's a good question. Um, I think I mentioned it. it can't be your crutch. It just has to be... It has to be a part of the story that you're telling. So for some of us, that that crest or that or that logo might get some eyes initially, but then it's like, how are you using that within the actual story itself? So for me, I don't brand every single thing with our logo. I, I might brand our graphics with it. Um, if there's a logo on a, on the jersey that's like really tightly cropped, like I'll use that as the the symbol within that image, as opposed to just slapping another logo on top of it, because that's that's redundant. Just stacking logos on top of logos isn't doing anything. It's just it's just kind of overpowering, kind of making the the audience like, ah, what's what's going on? What do I look like? Like, uh, I'm a big proponent for, like I said, high quality photo, uh, both action, promotional photo, and just like general stock footage that you can use throughout the year. I, I tell my photographer to, to capture moments that you think aren't that special because there's always a purpose to use something throughout the year. Um, I, I think logos in general have, have kind of transitioned to I mean, not just being the basic identifier, but also they've crept into the communication marketing space for like graphical content and video content more specifically than having it anywhere else. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, does that answer your question at all? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, 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 think, I think the idea of knowing that the logo is the first point, it's the point yeah. of the spear, what comes after that is, is just as important because the logo identifies those vision and values. Correct. But what you do with that story and telling that story behind it, that's equally as important because that's where you're going to grab people and bring them in, whether it's for recruiting or fundraising or sponsorships or da-da-da-da-da-da. Exactly. And then the, legal, the logo, once you've told that, is what reinforces it, right? When they initially come into contact with your logo, for the first time, they're not going to know what your mission and values are. They shouldn't. I mean, it's it, you can't tell from a, a physical identity that we're all about leadership and uh, women's empowerment and placing um, a high, high, 
think about dedication and determination and that type, those type of values. But if we're, they click on it because they liked it, and then our stories and our social furthers those mission and values, the next time they see that logo, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this, this is what this logo stands for. And that is what a brand needs to accomplish. All right. Exit question. Final question, Josh. Yep. For everybody here on the call, whether they're an AD or they're an SID or whatever their function is, communications, we're heading into the fall. We have no sports. Yep. What's the one thing small college AD programs need to be doing with their communications? You just, it's content. Yep. It's not, it's not content every day, but it's impactful, powerful content. And that is going to be in a variety of ways. You're going to be reusing content from previous years. Um, highlight four to five ideas, and they could be series, they could be one-time things, that is going to tell your story this fall that others, other people are not necessarily doing. That is how you're going to differentiate yourself from your peers. My thanks again to Josh for his time and willingness to share his ideas with the Small College AD community. You can get in touch with Josh by email and social media. His information is posted in the show notes for this episode found at the podcast page of my website, hartwellstudioworks.com. On whatever podcast platform you are listening to this show, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and, you know, write a review. Help other sports professionals find this podcast. If you'd like to talk some sports branding, you can reach out to me at by email at john at hartwellstudioworks.com. You can also follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram using the handle Hartwell Studio. And you can check out my entire portfolio of sports branding work at hartwellstudioworks.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.